nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Hi, and welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy you are all here. Um, our, our topic today is what we don't know about disinfectants can kill us. Uh, COVID-19 has changed our lives, perhaps for a very long time to come. In March, we had little knowledge about the virus, and we made many mistakes in our country that allowed the virus to spread quickly in all directions. What if there's another mistake that we are making that involves all of us? What if how we clean with disinfectants can actually allow the virus to continue to survive on surfaces? I had already talked to my guest previous previous to this show, uh, and uh, about a week ago, my mother was in the hospital, and I had the opportunity to observe um, an EMT who brought a patient into the room next door and then stood right in front of me and cleaned her cart. And the way she was doing it was so slapdash that even um, you know if, she, if it wasn't for the fact she was using a paper towel, um, barely touching a lot of the areas that would have been touched by the patient. And I just kept thinking, oh, my gosh, how many other places, you know, this is in a healthcare institution. What about places that are maybe not as um, uh, usually careful about things like uh, disinfecting? So um, I also came to the thought, why isn't this uh, major news in our country and around the world? So I have brought a friend, a new friend, uh, Scott Smith, who is the CEO of Aquaflex. He's the inventor of biofoam and is an expert on cleaning and disinfection following all major water contamination events since 2010. And I'm going to repeat that because I think that's a pretty important piece of information. He um, is an expert on cleaning and disinfection following all major water contamination events since 2010. And so we are about to discuss this important topic. So, Scott, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome. Are you there, Scott? Yeah. Hello. Oh, yes. okay. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. <laughs> okay. And, Scott, if you could share about your bio and how did you come to be involved in disinfectants this way and then, um, you know, so involved with the COVID-19. Um, so share a fair amount of depth because I really want people to understand how much you are a person worthy of listening to. Well, thanks very much. And I'll kind of start with COVID and uh, before I get into the other details. And mm -hmm. uh, there's an expression that's used about my work that my laboratory is the actual real world and real world disasters. Yeah. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, earlier this year, uh, my daughter is a social services director at a nursing home, and she was infected with COVID-19. Wow. And that had a profound effect on me. And uh, my approach to it was the same way I approached the other disasters I've been involved in, and is to reach out to the scientific community, find the subject matter experts. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, it's important to just spend a, a you know, brief summary on this. 
So the the thing is that my daughter wearing a 95 mask, full PPE gear, along with all other frontline workers in the nursing home, um, contracted COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started questioning about surfaces. And the interesting thing is, is there's five other people in the family and, and no one else was infected. And that was a time we weren't wearing masks. Mm-hmm. But what we were, I mean, we didn't know about it because of, you know, the, the varying advice the experts were giving. Sure. And, but the, the, the thing that we were doing was disinfecting surfaces. And um, around the same time, so my daughter is, re, you know, recovered and and looks good. And and what I preface everything about is there were at least 20 residents that passed away. And I, you know, my daughter is social services director, the pain, the agony that people went through in nursing homes, not being able to be with your loved ones. And, you know, to even think about this becomes highly, highly emotional. And, uh, this, this has been an effect on everybody across this country. And uh, I'm on a mission to educate the public and understand if we can save one life, uh, this is all worth it. Um, so we started to look at the disinfectant and we were pleasantly surprised that no one else in the family was infected. This is back in May. Mm-hmm. So the same time, this is a key, key thing. Same time we read about uh, a Missouri hair salon in CNN uh, where there were two infected stylists and hmm. they were exposed mm-hmm. to something like 140 people. No one got infected. Huh. So, yeah, we reached out. And now they were using the exact same EPA-registered disinfectant on their surface meticulously like we are. Uh-huh. Now, is that a coincidence? I Maybe, but... Now that I've started looking into this, it, you know, um, this is where we call distance. I came up with the concept of disinfectant tracing, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to medical facilities, nursing homes, and why are all these uh, people getting infected with patients, residents, and frontline workers? And as I started to look into this, that commonality stuck out, and I started to reach out to subject, the real subject matter experts, like 30, 20, 30 years. And then I learned that there's actually a federal law in the books called FIFRA, Federal Insecticide, Fungicide, Rodenticide Act, that requires people to follow the EPA-registered label. And what that means is contact time, that a lot of these disinfectants... Mm-hmm. And, and sanitizers require anywhere, uh, depending on what pathogen you want to neutralize and kill, anywhere from three to ten minutes. If you don't allow for that contact time, you can't kill the pathogen. Right. And what you realize is touching your face. You do. We do this so much you don't realize it. So mm-hmm. um, then I realized in talking with Daryl Hicks, who's a 30-year subject matter expert, and I've seen my share of things and disasters, but never what I'm about to say is mind-boggling. I was educated that 
paper towels and cotton rags deactivate disinfectant. And I guess since you have a highly technical audience, I can get a little right. you know wonk, wonky or technical. <laughs> and it's actually quite simple to explain. Paper towels and cotton rags have a negative ionic charge. Disinfectants uh. have a positive ionic charge. And that gets deactivated. So I see all this research out there. And I reach out to elected, my elected officials. Govern, I live in Massachusetts, Governor Baker, and a variety of media. And, uh, and I, you know, haven't heard back or any answers. Now, in fairness to everyone, this, unfortunately, this country is so divided on so many things, but we all need to come together. And this, this lack of education on surface transmission unfortunately, is um, um, a tragedy because of everything else going on in this country, and, and we pay the price, this society, for, for, for uh, being divided, and, and people really need to start focusing on coming together. And nothing I am doing is meant to be gotcha. It's a professional, mm-hmm. respectful, asking the right questions, because this is about mm-hmm. saving lives. I, I really yes. don't ever want to hear someone else tell another story about not being able to be with their loved one when they pass away. I, I, sorry, I just can't get that out of my head, what it would be like in a nursing home, dying without your family, not being able to say goodbye, and then the funeral. I just, I, I will never get beyond that. Um, it's a little close why. for comfort for me because my mother had a near-death experience last week. And just fortunate enough that the hospital was willing to let me come in and be with her um, only for certain periods of time. But at least I was able to be with her um, quite a bit, actually. And just now when you're saying that, it hit me that what would that have been like? It was bad enough being there with her. I can't I can't wrap my head around what it would have been like knowing she's dying and not being able to be there with her. So, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, I mean it's just um, and and, uh, and again, if people can come together, and I hope the media is listening, and any anybody, nurse, doctors, people listening to the show, um, all my contact information will be on your web. Reach out to me, and you know, contact tracing is important. Mask mandates are important, um, but we should be talking about disinfectant tracing hospitals, nursing homes, and it's not that any, I don't think anybody is intentionally doing anything or looking the other way. I like mm-hmm. to believe the, the, the best in people always until they right. prove otherwise. I think it's lack of education and, that, and, 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 and hopefully somebody, you know, media is listening and, everything, and we just need to edu- right. educate people. So if you are not using their, even if you, so if you wipe down with a paper towel or a cotton rag, uh-huh. You're deactivating the disinfectant even if you leave it on for the contact time or if you spray the surface and you wipe too soon. That's mm-hmm. a big, big deal. And I think, you know, um, if for those listening, if you're in a grocery store or in a restaurant, think about yes. you see the cotton rag in the bucket with disinfectant. That's basically not doing anything on the surface. And hopefully there's no COVID or any other pathogen on the surface. And think about you got all the mask requirements, social distancing, but what if somebody has coughed on the credit card machine? Someone has coughed right. on the table. We already know from the research out there that 
the COVID, depending on the surface, anywhere from at least three days, nine days, 19 days, and there are some experts saying 30 days. So that's a real, real issue. And um, what I discovered, um, this leads into to some of the other background. Um, the technology I developed goes back to 2002. The FDA approved, at the request of the U.S. military, an open cell foam material, and you see that's been used in the BP oil spill. It's been used actually for toxic algae remediation as I speak in, in Florida. But in 2002, this material was chosen by the U.S. military and cleared by the FDA because it's nonpolar. Um, and I never thought in a million years that I would be, you know, on this call talking to you and talking to other people. So, there is no ionic charge. And mm -hmm. we have learned that the material that I have from all these other disasters actually uh, does not deactivate the disinfectant and delivers far more disinfectant because of the surface area. And th this mm -hmm. is great having a technical audience because I, can, get, I yeah. can talk about surface area and all that. And um, like the human lungs, alveoli, everyone's right. familiar in the audience, right. and the, the surface area of your lungs have a, uh, is, is about a half a tennis court, which is pretty amazing. So if you want to get <laughs> contaminants out of water or deliver yeah. disinfectant, um, you want to maximize surface area. But, but back to this FDA approval in 2002, um, this was chosen as the only material that didn't deactivate a medical lotion. This is for U.S. military. So sarin gas attacks, chemical exposures, chemical attacks. The military has been using this open cell foam as a medical device to deliver lotion that's impregnated. And no other material can be used because it, it's, right. it's nonpolar and doesn't deactivate the medical lotion. I had no idea 18 years later that this could be adapted and that I would stumble onto this because when right. I started this mission is about education and kind of stumbled onto this. So that goes back um, to 2002. And then uh, to get into a little bit more of my background, in 2006, I was wiped out in oil-contaminated floodwaters. My whole business, I walked the streets. Uh, you know, I had of my employees in a town in upstate New York, couldn't feed their kids, you know, and I liquidated everything I have, put into the company. We got back up and running in 90 days and, and wow. took care of the employees and, and did all that. And uh, in uh, 2008, I didn't know this, uh, Senator Chuck Schumer nominated me for what's called the Small Business Administration Phoenix Award for disaster recovery for you know, well, first and foremost, I took care of the employees because when you walk the streets in a disaster and people don't know how they're going to buy formula for their kids and they're depending right. on the jobs, again, whether it's COVID-19, like, there's so many things going on. I, I have lived this and breathed this. And during that disaster in 2006, I had this medical foam sitting in a corner that was just beginning from the U used in the U.S. military to is a medical device deliver to deliver a lotion uh, that neutralizes sarin gas and chemical attacks, and I saw it absorbing oil. So I became obsessed with oil and water. Uh, I couldn't believe the flood and the drains and the oil, and nothing was working. The white booms weren't working, and this mm -hmm. foam started absorbing oil and repelling water. So I wow. 
basically put in every penny, save the job, save the company. And then, of course, if I'm going to do this, I became obsessed with oil and water. In 2010, uh, you know, four years later, uh, the BP oil spill happened. So I started emailing everybody, reaching out, no answers. So I got on a plane myself, take a, took a big duffel bag full of this open cell foam, went to Venice, Louisiana in the Gulf, and and uh, chartered a boat. The captain, the boat said, I'm happy to take your money. There are thousands of people before you. And I threw him my iPhone at the time. I think it was an iPhone 2. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he, he, he made a video and the captain's face turns white and the, the open cell foam starts absorbing the, wa- uh, absorbing the oil sure. and repelling the clear water. So literally I send, I find, I, I send an email to BP, the local elected officials, you know, it, 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 it looked like it was going to work. And I was literally in the car going back to the New Orleans airport when a gentleman by the name Dave Kennard of, of BP, mm-hmm. the, yep. the leader in Venice called me and said, hey, are you Scott Smith? And I said, yes. He goes, where are you? And I said, well, I'm just <laughs> leaving Venice. I'm headed to the, he goes, well, you might want to turn around. I saw your video. One thing led to wow. another. BP endorsed this American Petroleum Institute, and this was, you know, there, there are no miracle solutions for any environmental problems. So I want to be very clear mm-hmm. about that. This, you know, we all got to work together as a team, and you know, my goal mm-hmm. is always being a small part of the solution in a positive way. So mm-hmm. this technology was used to, in in many cases, to prevent the BP from having to burn the marshes because if you can prevent that contamination, you do less environmental work, and it was reusable. It was wrung out. Wow. And that started the whole whole trend with with oil. So sustainability is a big deal too. So and uh, you know sustainability, the reusability, and then roll forward to what I call this accidental discovery because of my own personal story with my daughter in COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, had I, I would never know that this material could be used to help deliver active disinfectant. So um, if you if if you, you roll forward to that, and then as uh, we start to talk to people, so, you know, not only do paper towels and rags um, deactivate disinfectant, but just think about the paper towels that are getting thrown out and every day. So right. No matter right. so sustainability, there, there's just a lot of issues here. So then um, you roll forward till two, to 2012. Uh, Bermuda Electric and Power calls me along with some scientists, and they're worried about uh, metals and algae and oil spills in Bermuda. So I go down there, and I never expected the material, this technology that I invented, to be able to absorb, remove metals and remove nutrients and phosphorus. And they say, well, I didn't know anything about algae in 2012. (laughs) You do know. (laughs) I got those those results back. And you see, what, what I'm telling is the real world's my laboratory. So... The technology is sustainable, it's cost-effective, it can help. But so many times we see in the media great ideas done in a lab where there's no wind, there's no waves, and mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not even affordable, practical. So that's why you always hear me saying the real world's my laboratory. So mm-hmm. one thing led to another, and then in 2013 and 14, I uh, got a call from you know, uh, UMass, Boston on Nantucket. I, I live on Cape Cod. That's where I am today. Saying, "Hey, Scott, you know, uh, we came across your work. Uh, you know, would you want to enter uh, some kind of pilot program?" So that 2013 and 14, I spent documenting working in in uh, 
you know, swamps and, and, you know, all this background I forwarded to you. So I'm sure you can put that out there for the interested people. So well, then we realized phosphorus and we, we could, uh, the material is what's called particle reactive, absorbs phosphorus and removes nutrients. So one thing led to another in that. And then in, in 2018, I get a phone call um, from someone in Florida saying, Scott, have you ever tried this in algae blooms? And, I'm, and I said, well, I know we can remove some nutrients, yes. uh, but I just don't know how effective, if it's practical, if it's really going to work. And she said, no, well, how would you like to come down? And we got these. So we went down there and put it in the water, and then I always send it to a certified lab. And then I have scientists call me, you know, saying, oh, my God, the you know, hundreds of thousands of nanograms um, being absorbed into this open cell of a capillary network of the microcystins, cyanotoxins, and then algae biomass. So roll forward, that's start starting to get deployed and actually was deployed last week in Florida. And then I start working with the University of New Hampshire uh, Freshwater Biology biology lab, one of the scientists, Nancy Leland and Jim Haney. Again, um, what I'm stressing to the audience is what I always do is test it in the real world. And I find the appropriate subject matter expert PhD scientists and make sure I do third-party validation to, to mm-hmm. get all this behind because that's how you have to move rapidly. And it, and it takes a whole team of people working in a very proactive way. So now we've realized that, uh, you know, we did some testing and a validation here on Cape Cod last uh, last fall and removed 60 to 80 percent of the what's called the microcystins, or otherwise known as cyanotoxins. Uh, removed 60 to 80 percent in an 18-hour period in a mesocosm in a pond. And again, I caution everybody: this, you know. Uh, looks like it can be a small part of the solution. There are never any magic bullets, whether it's COVID, algae, and it, it takes a team of people working in a, in a collaborative, positive weight uh, uh, together. And uh, one thing I want to say that does apply to COVID-19, um, the city of Cape Coral, Florida, there's somebody by the name of Maya Robert, and the city of Punta Gorda has somebody by the name of Jennifer Hacker, who leads up a a nonprofit, Charlotte Harbor uh, National Estuary, and uh, um, Maya Robert is, uh, I believe, chief scientist who oversees environmental work at Cape Coral. Now, where I'm headed with this is this: this Florida model is a model example. Whether it's algae, and even where I live in Cape Cod, can take lessons from this. You've got nonprofits, you've got subject matter expert scientists working with innovative technology, all as a team taking action together. Just think, and I, I am very honored and proud and to be part, uh, a small part of the team in Florida. What if we took that approach in COVID-19, you know, nurses, doctors, all these experts, and collaborate and communicate? That's the way we are going to bring people from all walks of life together in a positive way and help mitigate the uh, uh the divisiveness in this country, because I believe that um, at the best in humans, I believe mm-hmm. that uh, we need to focus on what we all have in common. I will bet that if everybody, somebody is, what is it, not many degrees of separation, be somebody that knows either had an mm-hmm. affected family member like I did, a death right. in a nursing home or something else. So the point is, um, uh, people need to come together and, you know, and I know that's quite that's basically 20 years of history 
in the most succinct way possible uh, that uh, about how I got to where I'm at. So um, that's amazing. Thank you, and I'm glad that you took that time to really you know show that progression. Um, we are just about ready here for a break, and I think we'll take it now uh, before starting into another topic. So. Um, I just wanted to say this show, the episode today is called What We Don't Know About Disinfectants Can Kill Us. And my guest is Scott Smith, who is the CEO of Aquaflex. He's the inventor of Bioform Foam, and he is an expert on cleaning and disinfection following all major water contamination events since 2010. Uh, we've just been having a very fascinating uh, discussion about how uh, paper towels and cloth uh, uh, rags uh, can can diminish or completely disrupt the disinfectants effectiveness. So we'll be coming in back in just a few minutes and um, be talking some more. Thank you. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise WomenInHealthcare.org, a national nonprofit, is our newest partner at Once a Nurse. It is among the most rapidly growing professional development groups for women in healthcare today. Through healthcare education, professional development, mentorship, community, and a focus on self, the organization empowers women with the tools needed to advance their careers. They use initiatives to break down barriers within organizations and equip women with the tools needed to open a powerful force for gender parity. 80% of the healthcare workforce is female, with nurses a massive majority of that percentage. But less than 20% of leadership is female. Join womeninhealthcare.org as they help all women of all ages and all levels rise up. Use code HEALTHPROS to receive $50 off the annual membership fee and receive discounted pricing for events, free resources, webinars, and a substantial discount for our annual leadership summit on October 22, 2020. Womeninhealthcare.org to be where you want to be in the world of healthcare. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Thank you for coming back to this other half of our show today, which is called What We Don't Know About Disinfectants Can Kill Us. And my guest today is a very uh, notable expert, Scott Smith. He is the CEO of Aquaflex. He's an inventor of biofoam, and he's an expert on cleaning and disinfection following all major water contamination events going back to 2010. 
we have been talking about many different things uh, about um, the um, ions and how uh, the disinfectants uh, have, a, I think you had said the uh, negative ion and the uh, cloths, etc., can be a positive ion, which uh, um, cancel each other out. So um, I'd like to bring this back to uh, the medical field, the medical area, and talk a little bit about maybe we could start with uh, nursing homes because that's where a huge majority of deaths have been happening. So, Scott, can you take us uh, on that journey? What what do you need people to know here? Yeah, um, in nursing homes, again, with my own personal experience with my daughter being a frontline worker and, and, the, and the tragic deaths in, in the nursing home she was in here on Cape Cod and uh, the rapid spread with all the procedures being followed, even with, like I, we talked about in the previous segment, with N95 masks and, and full PPE gear, suggested to me as I started uh, researching this that surface transmission could be an issue. And sure enough, uh, University of Minnesota, and you're in Minnesota, right, Leanne? Correct. I am, yeah. Yeah, University of Minnesota and scientists, uh, I came across them on the Internet, reached out, and, and sure enough, there's published research out there, um, talks about it's been, you know, uh, it's well accepted that COVID-19 can be transmitted through contact of virus-laden respiratory droplets on surfaces. Mm-hmm. Again, all this is a publicly available, and that, that's a direct quote from the research. Um, our results suggest that even tiny droplets can leave residues under moderately high humidity. So when, you, the, when these, these droplets, they don't disappear with a, a evaporation, and they're persistent for more than 24 hours. Now, think about a nursing home. Mm-hmm. You've got immunocompromised people um, coughing and the airborne transmission. And, uh, and then people touching surfaces and then touching their face. And, you, and, you know, and there just is, if you just use simple logic, something must be going on with surface transmission and the, and the, and the research is there. And then you get into the ventilation and uh, um, how ventilation systems can actually enhance the particles or the COVID-19 particle deposition causing surface contamination. So when you think about all that, and then you think about, we talked about the existing FIFRA law that actually is a law that, that facilities have to follow the disinfectant, EPA registered disinfectant. So then you're, if you're spraying in a cotton towel or a cotton rag in a bucket, uh, you're most likely applying water and the disinfectant has been deactivated by the paper towel or the cotton rag. So, right. um, and then you've got the whole other thing. Are you leaving? And if the, if you do have active disinfectant, are you, if you don't leave it for the proper contact time, you can't kill it. And I have a simple expression. You can't kill a pathogen if you don't come into contact with it, uh, with that, with, and, 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 um, it's that simple. Um, if the disinfectant, live active disinfectant, doesn't make contact with the pathogen, the pathogen's not going to be killed. And you, know, you think about how many times people are touching their faces, um, you don't even realize it. So 
the spread in this nursing homes and and there are situations like I brought up the disinfectant that well, I was using the same EPA registered disinfectant formula in my household that 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 salon. I don't mm-hmm. think uh, that was a coincidence. So uh, for those people listening, um, where I'm doing everything to help uh, where I can, and you know send samples out, do research, do testing. Um, what I, I think the other piece is disinfectant tracing, and what that is is looking at various nursing homes, hospitals, or you know, any place where there's been infections and seeing what disinfectant is used and how are they doing it. So I, I think disinfectant tracing is part of this data. And, and then, you know, after COVID-19 goes away, hopefully it does eventually, um, we got to take what we've learned and, and hopefully be a little more preemptive as a society with future pathogens because after COVID-19, it's going to be some other mutation, mm-hmm. some other virus, right. uh, some other bacteria, and, and so on. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and especially with climate change, we're finding that our climate is now more susceptible to certain uh, pathogens that you know have been maybe more um, isolated in South America or Africa or wherever else uh, they may have been. But as we get warmer, North, further north than those areas. I mean, we're already noticing um, migration of birds going further north, um, insects, various different things like that. So absolutely, we have to understand that those pathogens are coming also. And so this is not a one-shot thing. It's, it's going to have to become part of everything we do, being aware of this sort of thing. So this is why I really, really wanted to have you on, and I want to get this out as far as I can. So anybody listening who has any connection in any sort of way with um, disinfecting, whether that's in a hospital, in a nursing school, and uh, clinics, and um, grocery stores, or, or um, any other type of stores, restaurants, if you are hearing this, please do something um Take this show and send it out as far as you can to um, media, to news shows, to radio, to um, scientists in your local uh, community universities. I guess I don't have to do that since University of Minnesota is already on this. Um, Also, you have a number of videos, I believe, on YouTube, and particularly one that caught my attention was one you sent to me um, that was mixing information from a CBS News report and then some of your information that you put into it, statistical information, which I think would be very, very helpful for anybody who is really looking at doing something about this. So how would they find you on YouTube? Yeah, um on YouTube, it's uh, it's easiest to go to the. I I started an educational website uh, that that where I'm putting the you know mm-hmm. all this various research, truthaboutgerms.com. That's the easiest way to find me, and that's something that okay. people can easily remember. And then um, in the bio on your website are all the various links. Um, YouTube uh, YouTube is uh, a very long link. That is hard to okay. remember, so it's sure. easier to go to truthaboutgerms.com, and okay. people can can reach me there. And what I want to say, Leanne, what I all I did is, you know, uh, on the 
you know, in the presentation and in the in the in all this information, it's it is right on the CDC website. And 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 what I put on Truth About Germs is you can download all the research I've done to date with a live link to the CDC, and it says I'm, I'm reading from the CDA's CDC website. It's it's a violation of federal law to use this product, meaning EPA registered disinfectant, in a manner inconsistent with its labeling, and it talks in, in detail about the FIFRA Act. So. The stuff that I have researched, a lot of it is right out there in the public. And again, uh, maybe it's uh, all the issues we're dealing with as society is somehow preventing these, um, you know, the important education that needs to happen here to help prevent surface transmission. And uh, what I did when I saw the, the CBS Evening News actually has a video from University of Minnesota, and I, I know you saw, <laughs> and it actually shows the droplets spreading mm-hmm. uh, in an animation landing on surfaces. And I took that CBS Evening News video and posted it for educational purposes, and then I interject with quotes from the CDC and various PowerPoint slides. I even reached out to every scientist and every reporter involved in the CBS News and uh, I, am, I am optimistic that eventually I will hear from them. I would just like to see coverage, again, in the public's best interest, more in-depth coverage of University of mm-hmm. Minnesota CDC, Not, you know, uh, because I think people just don't know. Exactly. Uh, I agree with you. I don't think it's, you know, that we want to be doing something that is either ineffective or maybe causes more harm. We just don't know. And... You know, in general, I think, you know, uh, infection control is not top of the list of just about anybody, uh, maybe with the exception of scientists and people in healthcare. Um, but for the re- most of the rest of us, it's just what I can't see can't hurt me. And uh, that's kind of where they go with it. Um, I do want to mention that, yes, it will be on my website, um, which is onceanurse.com, starting September 3rd, which is Thursday. Um, And both your, uh, the video that you're talking about from the uh, CBS program and your information you added into it will be on there. And also the article that you sent me, um, it's titled U.S. Bio Solutions. Um, and that is a very kind of quick, uh, down and dirty kind of look at what are some of the, the resources and what are some of the things people most need to know. So I think those will be very helpful. This program will go into podcast uh, in about 24 hours. So by uh, late Tuesday, probably, um, you would be able to go and just uh, copy the link and share it with anybody who uh, might be of interest to know these things. And I'm planning to do that myself, just kind of thinking, who do I know that I can send this to? Um, so what, uh, well, talk about the biofoam um, you have sent me some a, a couple of samples, and I've been using that. Um, and I, I guess, you know, go into a little bit more of why is a normal sponge different than this biofoam, which looks like a sponge. Um, just tell a little bit more about that and why that is more helpful. Oh, that's a great question, and thank you for asking. Um, again, uh, the biofoam is the material that's essentially the same that the FDA approved for the U.S. Army in 2002, and uh, it doesn't react, and it's, and it's made from, it doesn't react with, with uh, 
you know, ionic particles, ionic mm-hmm. chemicals, because it, it, is, it, it doesn't have an ionic charge. And there's another important point here that it's hydrophobic. A typical sponge, whether it's another foam material or cellulose, mm-hmm. absorbs water. So why do things smell bad? It's because water promotes microbial growth. Mm-hmm. And this formulation in the biofoam is hydrophobic. And for anybody who wants to follow up, I've even done all the molecular research on contact angles and can explain all this stuff. So, and I've, we've had people calling in saying, wow, the, I, I used the, the biofoam, the, the wipe, the mitt, the sponge, and, and it never smells. I, you know, I never like mm-hmm. to use these regular household sponge because I can't stand the smell. Well, it's very simple. If you right. absorb water, it's eventually going to promote uh, microbial growth, and we we uh, this technology does not promote microbial growth, and we're we're using a medical grade polymer that's uh, pure, and we don't have to add other mm-hmm. chemicals that get added to to other things, and uh, and so so it's a, it's a couple so it's the fact that it the fact that the biofoam you know doesn't react with this effectant, and it also repels water, and and uh, go ahead. So, Scott, um, if somebody is listening to this and they're thinking, yes, I want to get on this right away if what we're using is not right, you know, how do we get a hold of this product? And um, especially, I guess I'm thinking large organizations uh, and hospitals and um, even government-owned places, all of the different places that people need to have something more effective than what they are using. Uh, yeah, that's a great, uh, another good question. So um, I was approached and have formed a partnership. U.S. Biosolutions was created for this product, for disinfectant, and people can go to usbiosolutionsdirect.com, just like it sounds, U.S. and then biosolutionsdirect.com, and the website will pop up with the various uh, product offerings and, and other information in it. And Leanne, we've even tried. We've we've donated to a few hospitals across the country, mm-hmm. and the health and in, in, in the administrators at the hospital won't let it be used. So again, it's an education uh-huh. thing. So yeah. And again, I don't say that in a in a mean spirited or a gotcha thing. Mm-hmm. It's all about mm-hmm. education. People don't know. They don't understand. And it's a, it's all about education. So, and then. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, in, in, on Cape Cod, I've tried to donate it locally and, and, uh, you know, it, it, again, people just don't understand. So it, it, once mm-hmm. we start educating more people right. and the media starts talking about mm-hmm. the issues with deactivation of disinfectant and surface transmission, um, then and only then is it, are, are people going to understand what needs to be done? Yeah, exactly. Um, you mentioned a phone number. Is that something you want people to call, or would you prefer that they use some of these other links uh, to get uh, to you or get more information or talk to you about this situation? Uh, the best way to get to me is uh, either go to truthaboutgerms.com or usbiosolutionsdirect.com, and then okay. you know, the phone numbers are listed in there. Okay. That sounds good. Um, we still have uh, about 10 more minutes. So um, one thing, I guess, uh, I'm just trying to think, is there something we haven't talked about that we should talk about that I'm not thinking of? 
uh, I just think that, um, like, uh, I think we've learned that you just can't depend, and I say this with all due respect to the government, you just can't sit around and wait for the government to solve your problems. I can speak for mm-hmm. myself on that. With And education, uh, go on the Internet, Google things, do your own research, investigate, reach out to people. Almost all the time when I reach out to these subject matter expert scientists, when you say, mm-hmm. hey, I'd really like your help, you would be surprised when you just uh, reach out to another human with, a, with an actual phone call or a, a personal email and say, I'd like your help. 95% of the time, people want to help. Yeah, and, uh, I found and that also. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> And I think is is social media is good, but I also think it's a it's a major 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 challenge, um, uh, in in today's society because uh, people uh, get very nasty with each other that they normally wouldn't mm-hmm. if they were talking directly or meeting face to face. And then I would uh, you know I would combine this with you know sustainability and cost effective. Not only this technology that I that I've uh, um, been able to create and adapt for COVID-19. Um, sustainability is a real issue among all the other problems we have in, you know, throwing single-use paper towels and rags um, in the garbage and consuming all that carbon without reusing it uh, has a significant effect on, on the environment. That actually brings me to a question. So if you have this little, um, what looks like a sponge, the biofoam, um, does it have to be cleaned? And if so, how do you clean it if it doesn't absorb water? Yeah, um, uh, um, another great question. When you infuse it uh, with the disinfectant or sanitizer um, and, you're, and you're wiping the surface, it's, uh, you know, absorbing and killing the, it allows the disinfectant or sanitizer to kill the pathogens so the pathogens will be dead and then you can wash it uh, just like you would with anything else put it in the washer or the dryer or put it in the dishwasher okay um, uh-huh. and, that's pretty uh, much what I've been doing but I wasn't quite sure if that was right um, so it could be used either by spraying, and is it any disinfectant as long as you're reading the label on using it the way it's it's uh, supposed to? You just spray it on the pad itself, and then you put it on and leave it there for as long as whatever the bottle says. Um, or you can spray it on the surface and then use this uh, biofoam to wipe it off after the time period has passed. Either one or both or a very important question, and again, people can go to the websites for more, but you can use any EPA-registered disinfectant. Make sure the disinfectant is EPA-registered, because if it's not, it's not certified, and it hasn't been through all the testing, and follow the label. You need to infuse. You infuse all that high surface area in the, in the open cells, and then you also need to spray the surface and let it sit on the surface and then slowly go over it. And, again, we have instruction, one-page instruction sheets and all that. But mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a very important question you asked. You, just, you, you only want to be using EPA-registered disinfectant, and you can use any EPA-registered disinfectant. Just follow the okay. label. Okay. And um, 
how often can you use it? Is it only use it once and wash it? Or it can be used many times. You mentioned that it, even if it's sitting on a sink, it won't smell. And that's true. I haven't had any problem with that. Um, well, it, I think that becomes a, 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 a personal choice because once mm-hmm. the pathogens are killed, they, they don't come back to life uh, because okay. of the disinfectant. So, but personally, after I get done with scrubbing it down, I like to wash off with soap and water and sometimes okay. put it through the, the dishwasher. Um, but it's probably good after you use it to, to rinse it out and let the dead pathogens go down the drain. So sounds like a good plan. That's where we'd like them. Um, I guess that brings up another subject, and maybe this is out of your wheelhouse, but um, they've been talking about going to the sewage areas and finding COVID in sewage. Um, so if it's going down the drain, but they're already deactivated by the time they get to the drain, so I guess that wouldn't be an issue. Um, but is this something that could be used in some of the treatment plants? Yes, it's uh, it's interesting, and I know uh, we're up against the time, but one of the areas I didn't have to address, I, I mean, I didn't have time to address at this point, I'll go quickly, is I also work on a national water quality program with the uni- Union United Association of uh, Plumbers, Fitters, uh, and Service Techs, and we actually are involved in Legionella testing and testing for pathogens, whether, you know, testing and, and remediation. So the answer to your question is yes. Wonderful. So again, if we just gather together and put all of our eyes, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, all of our ideas together, we're going to be much further ahead than by, you know, each person wanting to get credit. In fact, I think I've used this on the show before, but I went to uh, a conference in Las Vegas and the headline or the, the key speaker uh, was an obstetrician who invented the external fetal monitor. And the very first thing he said was that there is absolutely nothing that he human beings cannot achieve as long as they don't care who gets the credit. Well said. I, I couldn't end with a better statement. And <laughs> I say leave egos at the door. You assemble a yeah. team and you leave your egos at the door. There's nothing we can't do. Look at going to yeah. the moon. Look at World War II. Look at what this country did. Yeah. It, you know, and it, and and it's Perfect. to keep in mind. Somebody was just talking about this yesterday about uh, the aspect of positivity. That as soon as we get into our anger or our fear or um, just you know depression about oh look at all these things that are coming at us and we're never going to be whole again, and that just doesn't uh, jive with history. If you're any kind of a history buff, you know this planet itself, even before we arrived on it, uh, had dealt with incredible things that should or could have destroyed the planet. Instead, it just came back. It may have taken millennia, but it came back. And in many ways, um, since humans have been on the earth, we can look at disasters and say, what can we learn from this and find that we can create better and better. But it really takes all of us listening to each other. And I'm really glad that you made that point. If we can just set aside all of the differences and look at what can we agree on and focus on what we can agree on, um, I think we're just, everyone will be so much further ahead than than what's going on right now. Um, We do have uh, just about four minutes, and I don't have a lot to add here at the end. Usually I have something I want to add, but you have had such a um, complete... 
information here. I think that uh, you are certainly the expert. Anything that you want every person in the country and in the world who's listening to this to, if they don't remember anything else, what do you absolutely want them to be sure to remember? Well, um, actually, in the day and age we live at, with uh, is uh, don't forget how far human compassion goes. Helping oh, people, yes. pull the door for somebody, ask a yes. question, how can I help you? I'm sorry to hear about what happened. Uh, you know, your family member got COVID, um, and if people take the time and stop and um, are a little more compassionate and maybe taking the time not to spend so much time on Twitter or Facebook, maybe <laughs> calling somebody yeah. up human to human, yeah, uh, because we can do this. One of the things that I have been thinking about and so far I haven't really had a chance to do, but I would like to at some point, is just go door to door in my neighborhood and not go in, but just knock on the door and say, how you doing? Are you okay? Do you need anything? You know, maybe I can help, maybe I can't, but at least just somebody saying, I know you're here and I'm interested in, in who you are as a person. Um, I know that uh, sometimes that can be such a lift to somebody and you don't think you're doing much of anything. I mean, you could do it anywhere. You don't have to knock on doors. It can be in the grocery store, or any of the various different place, places that people might go. So this has been a very, very interesting show for me, and I thank you so much, Scott, for joining us today. Uh, we may need to have you come back sometime in the fall and see if there's uh, any additional information we can give people, uh, especially um, following up on how this uh, has spread things. So we are at the end of the show, and I um, just want to say the name of the show has been What We Don't Know About Disinfectants Can Kill Us. And my guest has been Scott Smith, who is the CEO of Aquafex Flex. He's the inventor of Biofoam, and he is definitely an expert on cleaning and disinfection and has been following all major water contamination events since 2010. Please reach out and see what he has to say and, um, and share this information with anybody you can. Thank you. for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week. it easier.